I recently watched this episode of Supergirl, and I think that it was really good, and I love it. But when Livewire died for Supergirl, that was amazing. I mean, not that Livewire died, but the way that she saved her was amazing. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and for this episode of the podcast, I am joined by Matthew Rushing of The 602 Club, A Geekery Speakeasy, Aggressive Negotiations, I'll Post a Harry Potter podcast, and Cinema Stories podcast to discuss the season three episode of the show titled Fort Roz. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Matt. I'm glad to have you. Well, thank you so much. I am really excited to be here, and I'm very excited because this is the first time that we have ever podcasted together. So it's momentous. <laughs> yes, I am a huge fan of all of your podcasting adventures with all of the shows that you do, and uh, I'm I'm so excited to have you on Supergirl Radio to get your thoughts on the show. And uh, since it's your first time uh, appearing on the podcast, I was curious. Uh, we like to ask our first time guests, you know, what, what's your history with Supergirl and the character of Kara Zor-El? Where did you first hear or see her? And uh, what, what's kind of your your past with her? How did you how did you get to the, the CW show? Yeah, my first experience with her is probably way back in the day. My family used to go to the public library and we would like you could rent movies from there and um, saw obviously the Superman movies. Uh, but of course, the Helen Slater movie was there too, and so I watched the movie a long time ago when I was a kid, and uh, you know it's not bad, um, and especially as a kid, it's not bad at all. Um, and then uh, a few years ago, I guess what is it, almost ten years ago or more now, when they rebooted the the DCU universe, um, and they decided to do the new Fifty Two. I decided, you know what, I want to get into comics, and what a perfect time. Everything's starting at zero. So, um, And I started reading Supergirl then, so I read all of uh, the new 52 Supergirl. And, of course, now that we've transitioned into Rebirth, I've continued with that because I really like the character. Um, I really in, uh, have always kind of enjoyed her as a character. Um, and now, of course, you know, I was very excited when they decided that they were going to do Supergirl. Um, I was a little disappointed when it wasn't immediately in the Arrowverse, you know, like there was the will they, won't they thing. With her. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was like Jack and Diane. <laughs> but the fact that they moved her to the CW, 
I think it was the best idea anyway. And the fact that she's gotten to play more with the rest of the characters has been great. And the show has continued to grow, I think, um, pretty well. Uh, and I, I think season three is, I, I feel like sometimes it just takes a show a while to really find its place, like really find what it wants to be. And I feel like season three, they're really starting to come into their own and be what they want to be like fully. And that's great because I really love this character and I really like all the people involved in the show. So I want this to be good. And I've really been enjoying this season three. Yeah, season three has really been firing on all cylinders. I've loved every episode. So I would agree with you on that. And it's fascinating to me that you uh, got into Supergirl comics by way of the new 52, because I think that will help you with season three and understanding rain and the world killers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that, that's good background, uh, for, for you to come into, uh, with this season. So that's very cool. Well, um, we don't have any news this week. Uh, so let's just get right into the discussion of the season three episode titled Fort Roz. And here is the official description. Quote, as Rain continues to terrorize the city, Supergirl teams up with, with Saturn Girl and the two recruit Supergirl's former enemies, Livewire and Psy, to form a team for a mission to Fort Roz to recover a prisoner who has information on how to defeat Rain once and for all. Meanwhile, Alex babysits Ruby, unquote. So uh, what did you think about uh, the dream team, as Saturn Girl called it, with Supergirl forming this squad to go up into Fort Roz? She she gets some some former enemies, some people she'd gone up uh, against in the past, and her uh, her new friend, I guess, uh, by way of Monel. Uh, so it was an unlikely uh, group of people to go on this mission to Fort Roz. So what did you think about uh, this group and, and how they worked together? Well, um, I think immediately was really excited that Livewire was back because um, I really have always enjoyed her character. And uh, I, I think she became the most, in, in the end, became the most exciting thing about this entire episode where they bring her. I loved that. Um, and, uh, you know, it was interesting having uh, Cy back and kind of seeing the relationship develop between her and Kara, especially by the end, which, again, I thought was very interesting. Um, can I get Saturn Girl? Um, I, I don't know if it's the actress or something, but there. Uh, well, one, a couple of things. Um, did, have you noticed that they really haven't defined what her powers are on the show for us? Yeah, that's actually a good point. I, I don't know if they've said outright that she is a telepath, but she's used a lot of mind powers, but they haven't really told us specifically what she can do. So I've been having to do a lot of guessing myself because I know in digging through Saturn Girl's uh, history and even watching the Legion of Superheroes cartoon, she has like healing trances that she gets into when she gets hurt and that wasn't in the show. So I've been kind of a little bit confused about Saturn Girl, but you make a good point. They really haven't uh, specifically laid that out. Yeah, because I because I was thinking to myself when they're putting this together. Oh, we're gonna you know we're gonna bring uh, this this girl power team together, this dream team, as they they cheesily call it, because it's <laughs> definitely not the dream team. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking, what, what does Saturn Girl actually do? Like, do we know that yet? At least on the show, like I know from the comics, she's a telepath and she can control things with her mind. And so I guess basically she's a telekinetic. 
but they, I, I just realized that I didn't feel like on the show they've given us that. And I feel kind of bad for anybody who hasn't read any comics because it's it's kind of um, nebulous at that point. So um, and I, I I'm having a hard time with the actress, I think. Um, she doesn't seem very dynamic. Well, I, I, I guess for me, I think part of that is she is just now getting some good things to do. I, I think good some idea. of her, yeah. her, uh, interactions with Kara and well, Supergirl mostly in this, uh, episode, I thought brought a little more personality to her because she was separated from Monel. She wasn't just Monel's wife. She was her own character getting to do her own thing. So I think hopefully uh, from here on out, we'll get to know her personally a little bit better. Um, but I do think that you you bring up a good point about how Psy and Saturn Girl have a little... I mean, they share some abilities. They both have these these mind powers, but Sai, I think, does have a, a more defined power set. She has uh, the ability to kind of get in someone's mind and create different environments and make them uh, see things, which we haven't really seen from Saturn Girl as of yet. So they, they did have that moment where they connected through, through their their brains or their mind power or something, whatever that was. Um, but yeah, so I think it is a, it is a good point to bring up that size abilities are a little more a little more defined. So they had a meeting of the minds is what you're they trying to say. They did. They did. <laughs> very much so. I wanted to ask you a question. So, um, you know, we have this dream team. We've got Livewire and Saturn Girl and, and Psy. Um did you think it was odd that Psy wasn't able to tell about Rain's, you know, kind of dual identity? Like uh, the fact that she almost kind of has a split identity? You would think that her being inside her mind, I was thinking, oh, this is how Kara's finally going to find out who this is. But then they didn't use that at all in the show. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, I wonder how that how far that can go because we do know that she got into Rain's mind, but it we don't know if she knows Rain's identity. I guess she never told anybody, but we we all we know is that she goes into Rain's mind and she sees this this glimpse of Ruby. And I guess we can get into this now while we're talking about uh, size. I, I was curious about your take about what that vision or that future, whatever that was. What do you what do you think that means? Because Ruby's in there, and it looks like she's grasping for Samantha's Samantha's hand, and she says, "Mom, don't let them take me." Uh, what do you think? What do you think that's about? Ah, man. Um, I, I was wondering if it's kind of if it was meant to be like a metaphorical thing, you know, where. Um, it's the it's about the battle between uh, the the two parts of Rain, you know, of Samantha and Rain, and like what's going on, or if it like you're saying, if it really is almost a flash of like maybe a possible future, uh, her daughter being taken away, but it, it could also be too. I mean, we know that Samantha doesn't know what's going on with her and is having basically blackouts of where she's been. So that could be a part of it too, where people could think, you know, the, the authorities could really think that her daughter's in danger. You know, would you want to leave your, uh, would you want somebody to have a daughter 
who's having blackouts and can't tell you where she's been for an entire day. <laughs> it's a little concerning. Yeah. So I, I feel like there's a there's a few different ways that they could go with it. I, I think at the moment I was taking at um, almost as being kind of more of that that Ruby is the side trying to hold on to Samantha, you know, and Rain is trying to take her away, you know, from her. That was what I was coming to. But I think you bringing up the question and talking through it, it's like there could be a few different things that this could be. And it'll be interesting to actually see what threads they pick up and use throughout the rest of the the season. That's a really cool thought that maybe it's uh, it's showing the dichotomy of Samantha and Rain's uh, taking, you know, them taking up the same space. I think that's an interesting thought. My my first instinct was maybe the other world killers are going to come and take Ruby. I don't know if she'll she'll get kidnapped by them as some sort of. Uh, not ransom, but maybe she'll be held hostage or something. I don't know. But I think that that your thought leads into the idea that we we were talking about Psy and why she couldn't just figure out Rain's identity. I think the important part of that scene was that maybe they didn't, maybe Supergirl and Psy didn't figure out who Rain was, but Rain had a moment where she realized Samantha was Samantha came out. What 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 did you think about that moment? Do you think that uh, she's starting to kind of sense that some? I mean, obviously by the end of the episode, she does sort of sense something is wrong. But um, what what did you think about that? Uh, what what are your thoughts on um, what is going on with Samantha? Yeah. It, so that what I what I thought was interesting is that Samantha kind of finally figures out that there's something wrong with her. Um, and, you know, throughout the season, she's been having these very strange things happen to her, whether it's, you know, visions in the mirror and, you know, basically the as as rain is starting to slowly take over her and all that. And I think um, the, the thing that when we got to specifically at the end of the episode and then she, you know, when she was talking about in her own uh, fortress of I guess not solitude. It's the it's, it's technically it's the fortress of sanctuary. So the fortress of sanctuary. Yeah, yes. Um sanctuary from I guess the rest of the death she's causing. <laughs> but <laughs> I I so I was thinking what are your thoughts on this? Do you think they're kind of choreographing what's going to happen in the sense that um Rain may be defeated not really so much by Supergirl but by the pan- power that Samantha has in and of herself? to baby basically kind of excise this demon from her. Um, And that may be what you, when you said, you know, maybe uh, the other world killers take away um, her daughter from her and their way of keeping her in line is saying, we'll kill your daughter. Yeah, I think that there is something to that. I, I wonder if, because Rain even says, you know, I, I didn't count on the fact that this human inside me was, you know, was as strong as she is. Like, I didn't I didn't factor that in. So I think there is going to be something about Samantha and maybe her love for Ruby that will bring out some some strength for her to help, uh, to help herself fight the rain part of her and i wonder if because rain and supergirl are paralleled in a lot of ways and one of the things that i've caught on from this season is that thomas coville our 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 favorite uh supergirl cult leader (laughs) uh he talked about how 
Supergirl would defeat Rain uh, with her faith. She had to find her faith. And one of the things, one of the character traits of Supergirl is that she is able to get through to a bad guy, usually. That's one of the things that she is good at. And they talk about that in this episode, specifically with Livewire. And I wonder if... uh, the paralleling of Supergirl and Rain will meet there in terms of having that faith. And maybe uh, maybe Rain will be able to find the strength in herself, or, or Samantha will be able to find some strength in herself to get get out of this. So I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they play that up because uh, for a lot, for a couple of weeks now, we've been having questions on Supergirl Radio about how much does Samantha know about what's going on with her? Is she, you know, what is triggering the rain part of her? Does she know that she's doing these things when she's doing them as rain? Uh, But I think we got the answer in this episode is that she has no idea. She doesn't know where she's going. She doesn't know what she's done. And I, I think even there was a little moment when Samantha was at L Corp and she hears uh, like a voice calling to her. And I wonder if that's how she's getting triggered into being rain. I don't know. Uh, but we got some more answers on how much she knows. So I think once she discovers this about herself, she'll, she'll be able to take control more of trying to figure out how to defeat it. So that, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of possibilities there. What if it's kind of like a, do you remember? Okay. Spoilers here for anybody who hasn't read all of Harry Potter. Okay. So, (laughs) but what if, what if it's kind of, you, you remember in, in book five, um, Voldemort can't be inside Harry when he's having loving thoughts. Yeah. He gets excised. Like he has to go away because he can't stand being a part of Harry at that point. So what if the relationship with, um, her daughter and then the relationship with Supergirl and, and Kara, because they've, they've worked on creating that, 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 um, family unit between Samantha and Kara and Lena and Alex, you know, kind of creating this, this little family unit like that. Mm -hmm. What if that's the thing that kind of helps her beat rain, you know, so it's finding that faith in, you know, this, this family and, um, the idea of, of kind of love winning, um, but doing it in that way so that it's, it makes them all a part of the solution instead of it just being, you know, cause this season also seems to be about Kara embracing her humanity, um, over just in, in figuring out what it means to be Kara Danvers. And so that would kind of be a, ho- a huge part of that because that would bring the duality of Kara and, and Supergirl together because it's both of them. It's it's actually the relationship that Samantha has with Kara, not Supergirl, that helps her, you know, find the way to excise Rain, and then for them maybe to both be a part of beating her. I I don't know, but that would be really I think uh, a nice thematic element to this the season. I like that because I think one of the things I've really liked about season three is the Samantha Ruby dynamic and their storyline of seeing seeing what's happening to them, you know, episode by episode. And one of the things that I noticed was their their mother-daughter relationship is very strong. You know, they, they've been together a lot. They It seems like they it's just been the two of them for a long time, and they've had this really strong bond that they've built. And even with these newfound friends of Kara and Lena and, and Alex, 
I think they have f- formed this little unit of people that, that they can trust and that they can lean on. So I think that that would be a really cool way to go about it is to, to use that emotional core. Because the one thing that we do know about Rain is that, according to the Legionnaires, Rain leaves. She doesn't die. Um, you know, we, we don't know if, <laughs> talking about, you know, separating Rain from Samantha, I don't know if that means Rain leaves and Samantha stays. I don't know. Uh, but we do know, know that for a fact that supposedly by the end of this time with the whole rain fiasco, she is supposed to leave. So uh, I don't know what that, what form that takes yet. Uh, but, but I like the way you're thinking there. There's some, some interesting thoughts. Yeah, no, I was going to ask you uh, what you had thought because we didn't really get to cover it. Cause I jumped the gun. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. What you had thought of the dream team. Cause I kind of wondered, um, you know, kind of putting this ragtag group of, of um, women together who have never really worked together. And obviously you've got two villains and then, you know, your ex-boyfriend's wife. That's awkward. It is a little bit. How did you think it ended up working in the episode? Well, I loved this part of the episode. I mean, it is my dream team because Livewire is my favorite supervillain on the the Supergirl TV series. I, I didn't really, you know, Livewire, I could have come come and gone with, you know, in the animated universe. And I was like, eh, whatever. But on the show, I thought they did a really great job with her, especially the dynamic between Livewire and Supergirl. I don't know if you watch uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but I sort of have likened Livewire to uh, being the Pontiac Bandit of Supergirl. <laughs> so, so on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, if, if, if people haven't watched it, uh, Jake, the main character of that show, he has this nemesis who always causes him some trouble, but they also sometimes team up together. And they're kind of friends, but they don't acknowledge it. Uh, so Jake and the Pontiac Bandit are very much like Supergirl and Livewire to me. So I always like it when Livewire comes back because there's this there's this sort of un, unspoken uh, thing that goes on that they're they're kind of friends, but they don't they don't really talk about it. So I really liked seeing Livewire come back. And Sai's one of my favorite uh, Supergirl villains from the comics. So I was glad to see her come back and to see Livewire and Sai get pitted up against each other a little bit. They were throwing insults and you know making fun of each other. And uh, I really, I thought that that was a really fun dynamic. And I, I think it worked out pretty well. It was a little shaky there at the beginning. They had to figure out how to work together. And I think one of the strong points in the episode, I thought, was the fact that they depowered Supergirl when they went to Fort Ross because that gave them the opportunity to highlight all of these other characters, especially Livewire and Psy, and putting them in a position to make them the heroes of the episode. And normally I am a let villains be villains kind of girl. I like, I like my villains bad. But with these two characters specifically, Livewire I think has earned her redemption, and I think she's earned that status to be a hero. And with Psy... In the comics, she is sometimes an ally to Supergirl. So I think it's actually pretty character correct for her to to take a turn and and come around to helping Supergirl. So I liked that they were able to jump in, specifically Livewire and Psy be able to jump in and help save the day. And I thought it was great because with Psy specifically, she seemed like the wild card going into it. 
she seemed to be the one that they had questions about, that they were worried about. And she ended up being the one to voluntarily go to go and help uh, Supergirl. So I, I thought uh, it had a shaky start, but it ended up uh, to where they accomplished their mission, even though uh, Livewire didn't make it back. One question that I did have for you, because, uh, you know, and I think this is just kind of a comics writing problem, is that you kind of just do what you need to do, regardless of what the continuity is. But it, it seemed a little strange that Supergirl would lose her powers that quickly, so that because it doesn't take them very long to get there. And, you know, Supergirl and Superman are kind of like solar batteries, you know? And so I was surprised that she had no powers by the time they got there. It seemed a little bit strange that she, it wouldn't have been one of those things where like it's going to decrease, but it's going to decrease pretty rapidly. And that's why we need, but I mean, I get what they did, but I was just like, is that really how it works? <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to uh, to go with it, roll roll with the punches, as it were. Um, but I think with the Blue Star situation, I mean, it was a pretty big... Well, and they were pretty close. Yeah, so I guess maybe you have to factor in the size of it and the proximity. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you just kind of have to roll with it. The Legionnaire ship doesn't have shields. I mean, you know. I mean, what were they even doing? Their communication <laughs> systems went down. And there's that whole thing about how men can't go because it's, you know, uh, poisonous. Because it's a blue star. It's poisonous to men. Like, what's that about? So, yeah, <laughs> there were lots of questions I had. Could I just say the biggest one is I don't know how one of the Voyager satellites is routing power from the DEO all the way across space to the Legionnaire ship. I don't know how that works. But, I mean, I get bouncing a signal, but I don't know about transferring power. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anyone could do it, Winshot can do it. I guess it's the 12th level intellect, yeah. Yes, yes. So you've got Winshot, who is a very smart guy, plus a Brainy Brainiac 5, who is the 12th level in intellect. They can figure it out. They can make it work. Um, I don't uh, personally know much about the Voyager 2 that they were trying to hack into and use, but... Whatever they did, they got the job done, and it, and it worked out. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I, I thought that the uh, mystery into going into Fort Ross was a really cool one, and especially because we got to meet a new character in, in the mythology of this version of Supergirl. Uh, uh, we uh, met a character named Jenda Call Ross, who was inside of Fort Ross when they got there. So, uh, Matt, what did you think about getting to meet this new character who was played by Sarah Douglas, who, if you know about the, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, you would recognize her as Ursa. What did you think about getting to see her? Yeah, I thought I thought that was a great bit of casting. Um, you know, kind of one of the classic things that they would do on uh, Smallville. You know, they'd bring in uh, the cast of something that had had something to do with Superman whenever they could, because it's just fun um, and it's respectful, you know, and, and why not? Um, and the fact that she's again, kind of playing an evil Kryptonian priestess, you know, <laughs> makes sense. You know, um, it's, it just runs in, uh, in her blood to play that kind of character. Um, the, well, the one thing I will say is that I was hoping that there was going to be more with her, and and more information because I felt like the scene that that Kara gets with her is very quick because then Rain shows up, and so I thought we were going to get to spend a, just a, a bit more time with her. 
But, you know, I, I think it was great what we did get and obviously important to the rest of the story. I was just surprised that the scene wasn't, you know, 30 seconds to maybe a minute longer with her before Rain gets there. So we're kind of getting more of the the mythology of these world killers from her. Yeah, I would agree. I was a little disappointed that the only information she, uh, Supergirl takes away from that interaction is that there are other world killers. I guess that's enough that she, you know, needs at this point in time. But I was like, really? That's 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 all she's getting out of this. I came all this way and all I got was like two bits of information. Yeah, she doesn't really know where to find any of them. She doesn't know about their powers. She just knows maybe their names. You just need to find the world killer app. <laughs> yeah. Give give me more to go on here. This isn't a <laughs> lot of information. Um, but I do agree that it was really fun to see Sarah Douglas on the show and her character was talking about the phantom zone and i was like well that's appropriate given (laughs) what happens to ursa in those movies uh she has to break out of the the phantom zone uh so i thought that was really cool and i liked that it connected back to thomas coville who has been a little bit of a recurring character this season he's been popping up in a couple of episodes trying to further this storyline this mystery about rain and he had talked in a previous episode in in the rain episode about this disgraced Kryptonian priestess who told him about the god before Rao. So this priestess that we got to meet in this week's episode, it was the one giving him that information. So I really liked that those uh, those scenes connected, that that storyline is connected. We we now kind of know who he's been getting this information from. So he, he stumbled upon Fort Ross while it was still on Earth then, maybe? Possibly. Uh, I, I'm sure he could have. Uh, Fort Roz, I think, was just sitting around. Or does she have like mental powers we didn't know about? So that's how they've been communing? Yeah, that's a good question. Or maybe it's the Kryptonian Ouija board. <laughs> well, I think in the episode, uh, I don't think I have it in my notes, but I want to say that they said she hadn't left Fort Roz. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. So I'm like, did somehow did he find his way to Fort Roz or like... That's what I'm wondering. That's a really interesting question that I would love to see answered. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe maybe she was able to project some kind of image to him or maybe or maybe he stumbled into Fort Ross. I mean, I guess by that point anybody could just walk in and go around, but I don't know why you would want to go into Fort Ross if you were just a human person. Unless like it was that thing where there was a calling and and like she I mean, she's obviously pretty powerful. So nobody messes with her on Fort Ross. And so I'm, I'm, I'm imagining him kind of stumbling upon this thing in the wilderness where it was on Earth and finding her and her kind of giving him this information and all um, to kind of set the wheels in motion for this rain storyline. Um, it's something I would really love for them to kind of further explain because I feel like that backstory to his character and everything would be really cool and give some real depth to this and kind of like connecting it all the way back to that first season, which we don't really reference the first season all that much on this show anymore. (laughs) Yeah, there are some things that they have just uh, kicked to the curb, like James and Kara. (laughs) They just say, we we don't remember anything about that. (laughs) Max Lord, I mean, when's the last time you heard his name? Yeah, I I was hoping we'd see him in Fort Ross, but he was not there. Yeah, and the uh, the Megahedron. Yeah, where what's going on with that? I think General Lane has (laughs) 
does that now. Uh, so maybe in a future episode, we'll we'll get back to that stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's an interesting point of, about how does Jenda uh, connect to Thomas Coville? Maybe she called to him somehow, like like this uh, this voice is calling to Rain to uh, connect with her. So maybe there's some sort of. Uh, almost supernatural ability that that's going on there this is how we have the supernatural crossover that's it we we just wrote a, a crossover with the the guys from supernatural uh coming to you next <laughs> season uh so look for that that would be a great like halloween episode wouldn't it be awesome like they could just be another earth well and and supernatural is gonna last till season 50 yeah so there you they go might so. as, they might might as well do something else <laughs> do something they haven't done before greg berlanti you've got our information you can hire us for the writing route anytime free idea so yeah i was i was a little upset that she uh that sarah uh sarah douglas uh went too soon i felt like i was i was kind of surprised that they killed her off in this episode because she was crushing it like i was like oh she is she is hamming it up as this this evil priestess i'm i'm digging this and Rain shows up and heat visions her in the back. And I thought that that was really cold. It was almost like the Kryptonian version of stabbing someone in the back. She heat visioned her in the back. And what I thought was a nice touch was that you could see uh, the glyph that uh, Jenda Call Roz was uh, wearing, which they talk about how the glyph is the same glyph that, that Rain has, that world killer glyph. Uh, I, the, the glyph like glows when the heat vision comes through her, which is gruesome and awful but it was kind of cool to watch uh so i was i was sad to see her go so so soon but i i thought she did a really good job and she had some really cool things that she did say to supergirl even though she didn't give her a ton of information i i did one of the things that stuck out to me was that she tells supergirl uncertainty will be your doom and I thought that, that was really uh, fascinating to me because, like I talked about uh, before, uh, Thomas Coville says that Supergirl refused her faith and she failed the test in her fight against Rain. Uh, and so it, she's she's got to rise and find her faith. And I thought that that was juxtaposed, you know, with uncertainty, you know, uncertainty and faith. And so I, I just I don't know if they're going to go anywhere with that. But I thought I thought that that was interesting that she's she's taught she kind of reemphasized that point. That connects with something that Livewire actually says that I, I I was thinking about this whole idea of like Supergirl losing her faith and why she lost the fight at the beginning and. You know, Livewire talks about how somebody like Rain should die. And I wondered if there is something about Supergirl where she does need to learn that lesson of, you know, when a, a villain really needs to be taken care of and when there's a chance of redemption and, and the difference between the two, because there is, you know, a hero, uh, you know, villain like Livewire, um, maybe even Psy, you can kind of see that there might be that that possibility but, you know, Rain itself seems kind of like this un unstoppable, destructive force who just wants, you know, to rule with a fascist hand. And so I'm wondering if that's part of Carr's growth this season is to kind of learn when it's OK to just go out and pummel somebody because that's what needs to be. Ha you know, that's what like, you know, so Superman has had to learn this lesson, too. Right. And we've seen it in the comics and um, and and throughout his films, you know, Superman had to learn that lesson. When when can I show mercy to somebody and, and when is mercy not the right thing to do? Um, 
because it puts our lives at risk and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm kind of wondering if, if that's something that's a part of Kara's growth here this season, because, you know, like you said, her saying uncertainty will be your doom. Well, she was definitely uncertain when she went out to face. Um, and maybe it's too that, that Kara needs to find a way to merge the two parts of herself that she's tried to keep kind of separate and just become one whole person. Like she's Kara Danvers and Supergirl, and they're one and the same, you know, like that they are the same person inside to her. Yeah, I think part of that will be Kara having to figure that out, you know, figure out, you know, is this something that I have to take care of? Or is this something that um, that is in the hands of the person I'm dealing with? So like with Livewire and Psy, both of them made choices to do the right thing. With Rain, like you said, she is wanting to be in control she wants everyone to do what she wants them to do and so i think if it was up to rain i don't think she would want to do the right thing according to what supergirl thinks is the right thing but i think what Kara took away from this episode this week is that she says uh, at the end she says i feel badly that i couldn't get through to rain i saw humanity in her so i think she sees that there is good in rain but i don't think you know she doesn't realize because she doesn't know she doesn't know this information the humanity that she sees in rain is the samantha part of her so I think that there is, again, I think it goes back to that duality of the character of Rain is that Rain is this awful, evil uh, devil uh, that they, they've talked about on the show. But inside of her is this other human part who is this mother who wants to do the right thing, who doesn't know what's going on. So I think if it was up to Samantha, I think Samantha would choose the right thing to do and the good thing to do. But uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Part of it is Kara having to make some choices about how to handle a situation. Then another part of it is how does the villain she goes up against, how, do they make a choice to do the right thing or not? So, yeah, there, there's going to be uh, something probably at the end that's going to, you know, somebody's going to have to make a choice. Well, and I think that's where it comes down to that dualism, you know, with with Rain. I think that's going to be her undoing because of what we talked about with, you know, the strength of Samantha and all that. With Kara, it's been her weakness because she has kept a dualism in herself on purpose and i think obviously it seems like this season's thematic structure of uh supergirl has been to get her to accept the fact that she's both and to create a whole version of herself um and to find the way to do that which obviously again is a is a, is a thing that we've seen plenty of times as kryptonians dealing with on earth how do i be superhero me and me and you know uh, i think that's a great it's a great story because you know sometimes parts of ourselves need to be brought together and other parts need to be excised and um knowing the wisdom to figure that out is really important and um it's cool to watch uh cara have to go through that this season and hopefully come out at the other side a much stronger character by season four. Absolutely. And uh, since we're talking about characters who make choices and and try to better themselves and grow, I, I really think we should talk about Livewire because Livewire was such a big part of this episode and her death was really tragic. And, uh, you know, hashtag RIP Livewire. Um, Matt, what, what, did, what did you think about Livewire and the choices that she she made in this episode? This and the conversation that Kara ends up having with Monel, I thought were the best part of this this episode um because i really loved livewire making the turn because i love what it said about 
Kara and what it said just about the idea of redemption in, in general. Like I, we live in this world where people just get condemned for things, but where's the path to redemption? Are we going to even offer people redemption? Are we going to give people a chance to turn around? And the fact that Kara embodies somebody who wants to give people the opportunity to make a change and to be a better person you know, I, I think is really important in the world we live in because we all make horrible mistakes. I think everybody in their life can think of something that they've done that they really, truly regret to the deepest part of their being and they wish that they could change. And you don't have to be a supervillain for that to have happened, right? Oh, totally. And so I think this this being on the show and seeing Supergirl look to give somebody redemption first is so important. I mean, I think it's the strongest part of, you know, the original uh, Star Wars trilogy coupled with um, the, the prequels, you know, that Darth Vader would find redemption after all of he, all that he's done. Like how huge is that to think about the idea that you could find redemption? And so the fact that Livewire because of the love that Kara shows for her, you know, they're snarky back and forth, right? Um, which is which is fun. But at the same time, I think Livewire understands that Kara really cares about her. And this seals like the first time that anybody's really cared about her. And it's had a huge impact, you know. And so the way that we treat people and the way um, that we deal with people has a, has a major impact on on what they might turn out to be. Because most of the time, people just live up to our expectations, because of how we treat them. Like if so they realize that they don't we're not expecting much from them, they're probably gonna live up to that. And that's not Kara. She wants the best from people and, and she tries to give them the opportunity to be their best. And to see this actually come to fruition in Livewire, I thought was if you were going to kill the character, it was a really beautiful way to do that. Do I really think she's probably gone forever? I don't think so. Um because she's electricity and you can bring her back, you know, they can find a way to do that. But I do think, um, if this is her end for the show, I think what it says about the idea of redemption and about the person of Kara is really strong. I think it's a really well-written arc and I'm very happy that again, if this is Livewire's last appearance on Supergirl, it's really done something special for her character. It's done something special for the audience by what it's teaching us. And it's done something special for the character of Kara, which is the whole point of doing anything on the show because it's called Supergirl. I do think that Livewire is redeemed in the end. And I think it's great because Supergirl inspires her to to make those choices. But I think it's really cool to see a you know a villain take those those choices personally and and wants to do the right thing because she has a good motivation she she says her motivation is because she wants payback for all the things that you know rain did to her her friends she you know she's known people who have been hurt or killed because of this this evil villain and i, I think she has that motivation from a place of revenge and wanting to get payback. But then I think there's also another part of her that does want to help Supergirl just for the sake of helping her because Supergirl has trusted her. And she, she laughs in Supergirl's face when Supergirl says, I need, 
you to come because I, I need somebody who's going to have my back. And and Livewire does in the end uh, get Supergirl's back and, and saves her. Uh, so I think that there there's something really cool in there about how Livewire wants to make those choices for herself. And I think that's where she earns that redemption. And I, I thought it was really cool because there there's a line that I think it's spoken by one of the Fort Ross inmates and and they're talking about uh someone who who went looking for Jindical Ross um but I think it's it's a line that talks it says so much about the essence of Livewire's character she says she was a brutal criminal but she had softened and I I was like I don't know if that was supposed to be sort of a an underlying uh piece of dialogue to to toss back onto Livewire but that's how I took it I've, I I see Livewire as this scary criminal who had something bad happen to her. She she got struck by lightning through a Kryptonian and it gave her these electrical powers and it was really strange at first. And then it sort of made her a little crazy and she went off the deep, deep end. And I just think about those those first couple of episodes with Livewire, especially that first one in season one. She's really scary. She takes over Kat's office and her monitors and her face is up there, you know, really big and all those monitors. And she's just this threatening presence. And by the end of this week's episode, she was someone who was willing to lay, she literally laid her life down. She stretched out and and took that heat vision for Supergirl. And I I thought it was really cool to see that, you know, how far she's come. And even in the music, Blake Neely has had this musical theme for Livewire. And and when that uh, was first introduced in the Livewire episode in season one, it's it's menacing. It sounds really menacing. And in this one, it was a little softer. It was a little, uh, it, it was different. It had changed. And so I thought that said so much about her character. And so I really, uh, I would echo what you said that, you know, if this is the end for Livewire, Britt Morgan's Livewire, I was at least glad that she had a great episode to go out on. She had a big moment there at the end. She got to fight the big bad and uh, really make her uh, (laughs) have to earn it there at the end. And she got to do something awesome for Supergirl. And uh, I couldn't ask for a better way for, you know, my favorite villain on the show to go out. She she had an awesome, awesome ending. Uh, So I I was glad to see that they gave her that. And I think that's something that, again, it's just so important to see a character turn from a a villain into, you know, somewhat of a hero, but by laying down her life for for somebody that had been her nemesis, you know, um, you know, an enemy dying for, you know, the person they consider their enemy, but they don't consider that anymore, you know, and that, that turn again, I think is just so important in a world that doesn't really seem to care too much about self-sacrificial a lifestyle and to have live wire of all people, you know, um, one of the most selfish characters of the series kind of come around to Kara's point of view, I think is just huge. I think it, it, it just speaks volumes and it, it's just, again, it's, it's a fantastic way for her to go out if this is it. And so I, I just really responded well to that part of the episode and was really thankful that, you know, you get left with that's the message of this episode. Like it just, I think it's really strong and I, I, I can't um, say that enough, especially with when I kind of just look at social media or, you know, whatever it's, this is the stuff that, that, you know, 
really talks about the most important things in life. So when Supergirl's nailing it like that, it's awesome. Yeah. And I I think what you said earlier about how, you know, people's expectations, you know, if they have higher expectations for you, you might you might actually rise to meet them. And I think one of the things that's really cool about Supergirl and Livewire's relationship is that. Kara never let her forget who she really was. Even if Livewire kept saying, don't call me Leslie, that's not my name, my name is Livewire, Kara never let her forget that. She would call her Leslie, even though, even, even when she was dying, she called her Leslie. And I think that that reminder of her humanity was so necessary for uh, Livewire as a character to remember that she's not just this this villain who has hurt people, who has done uh, bad things. She is someone who can rise above it. And so I think that, that that's one of the things that's really cool about the character of Supergirl is that she she does believe that there is good in people and she wants to help people see that and, you know, come to recognize that about themselves. And she definitely did that with Livewire. Well, and, and what was neat about that is that by the end of the, the episode, you also got the feeling like that Psy being there to watch that happen, you know, to, to see what happened um, with Leslie giving her life for Kara. I think it created a bond between those two characters and you get the feeling that Kara's actions here, Kara's actions of treating people like people and not just a label, like Kara could easily just say, you're villains, and so therefore I treat you like this. But Kara doesn't do that. She doesn't treat people as a label. She takes that label away and treats them as just a human being. And I think whether they're an alien or not. So um, I think that's what's so special because we live in, again, a world that just kind of treats people um, based on labels. And then that label means I treat you like this. But Kara doesn't do that. She shows us a different path, and I think it's a really important path. And we see that, again, play out with Psy. And I think coupled with Livewire, we're watching maybe hopefully the slow redemption of Psy, where maybe she would end up becoming part of Kara's team at the DEO next season. Or and uh, you know, So I think it's just really cool the way that this episode dealt with that. But it's all because Kara has the character – and the values to deal with people as human beings um, who deserve to be treated with respect and honor, even if they haven't necessarily earned it, um, that they still have a dignity that we should treat them with. And I think that's a really, really good message. Yeah, that's a great point that when one friendship ended because Livewire gave up her life for Supergirl, I think another friendship was was born in this episode between Supergirl and Psy. I think that's an awesome, awesome thought. I would like to see more Supergirl Psy uh, interactions in the future. Thank you very much, uh, Supergirl writers. Uh, that would be great. I'm just going to, in advance, ask for more of that because I think that would be, be really great to see. Uh, so we'll have to see what happens with Psy in, uh, in the future. Um, there's another part of this episode that doesn't even have anything to do with Fort Roz. It's more uh, down to earth, literally down to earth. We're on earth for the storyline. Uh, and we just get some character moments between Alex and Ruby. Uh, so so what did you think about that in terms of it being <laughs> sort of juxtaposed against, uh, you know, all, the, all of the space, the space <laughs> danger and the chaos and all the fighting that was going on? The Star Trek episode, basically. 
basically where they're on the ship and it's like not working. I just expected Saturn girl to be like, I can't do it, Captain. I just don't have the power. <laughs> um, I absolutely loved the Ruby and Alex storyline and mainly because I loved the way that it reinforced for Alex that Maggie's not the right person for her. You know, she might be feeling sad, but she's spending time with somebody that is exactly what she does want from life. She wants to have a daughter or a son, you know? And so by having that storyline play out, she literally has the representation with her of why she gave up Maggie. And I think that that was really smart writing. It's not total. It's just not in your face. It's just there, you know? And I think the girl who plays Ruby is so adorable and it, their relationship is so fun. And you could have Alex read me the phone book and I'd be happy with it. So, <laughs> uh, But I thought that it was an actual story plot point that was really well executed for the character, um, where she is and the struggles she's going through. And I just thought it was really fun because I also I think that Ruby is going to need some help in a few episodes here and having somebody like Alex on her side where they've become really close is going to be really important. And so I think it just did a lot of things for both of those characters. Uh, and it turned out to be an adorable part of the episode, you know, especially when Alex, uh, you know, goes all FBI on somebody's butt, for, <laughs> which was great. It just, I mean, um, I don't know if reverse bullying is the right way to go, but it was funny. She put uh, Erica Morrison in her place. <laughs> that little girl is never going to do anything like that again. I don't know if she's going to touch her phone for like three weeks. <laughs> she she is going to throw that phone in the trash. Uh, so I wouldn't. I would. I don't blame her. Uh, if uh, if Agent Danvers came to my house and threatened me. Uh, I would think about, about my uh, my next choices very carefully. Uh, that was actually really really fun, and I, I was glad to see that, especially in that in that storyline for this episode. Alex seemed like she wanted something she could control. She talked about you know how you know she was laid out because of the thing with her leg and the thing with Maggie. You know she couldn't really. She had to make a choice, and there wasn't really anything she could do at this point to fix it. You know, things were done, but she could grab hold of this thing for Ruby and do something to to help make Ruby's life a little better. And in turn, I think Ruby uh, served as a, a someone to listen to Alex's feelings and things that were going on for her with, you know, Kara off in space, <laughs> dealing with all the things that she had to deal with. Uh Alex had someone who could be her sounding board and be someone uh, to comfort her when she was feeling sad. And so I thought that they they played off each other really well and, and served as uh, something that the other one needed in that moment. And I thought that that was really sweet. And I have really been enjoying, this is a really small detail that probably nobody else cares about but me, but as someone who loves classic film, I love that the Danver sisters watch classic movies. I love it so much. I thought maybe it was just Kara, who is such an old soul, such a, such a good-hearted, you know, old-fashioned soul. I know she watches classic film, but to see Alex there watching Cary Grant in the Philadelphia Story, that was very exciting for me. I uh, just rewatched that movie not too long ago, and I totally agree with you because that's how I grew up. I grew up watching all those old movies, and so when they're watching him, it makes me feel like they would have been my best friends. Yeah, me too. I'm like, I want to watch all. I want to watch classic film with you guys. I, you know, I don't know what that says 
about this episode. I don't know what the significance of specifically the Philadelphia story would be for Alex. I don't know if it's somehow related to Alex and Maggie, or I don't know if it's just maybe maybe this classic film metaphor is just, you know, when they when they need some comfort, maybe classic film is their comfort viewing. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes when I, you know, need to feel better, I put on a movie of, of some sort. So maybe it's a uh, Maybe it's their their go to you know comfort food as you will their their comfort watching, uh, but I thought that that was really cool and of course you know Alex also talks about The Shining, which uh, maybe is not the best thing to watch when you're babysitting a young child, but uh, I'm I'm sure Ruby could take it because they actually talk about um, what I thought was really cool was uh, Ruby tells Alex she says you're like the toughest person I've ever met. And I thought that that, I don't know if this is the way the writers uh, meant it, but it seemed like a little bit of a callback to the earlier episode from the season, uh, Triggers, where they talk about gemstones. Alex tells Ruby, she says, rubies are one of the toughest gemstones. And Ruby says, only diamonds are tougher. And so I thought that that was really cool that Alex and Ruby have shared this uh, trait of being tough. They've uh, People who can't, be shaken easily. And so I think that that's one of the things I think that's going to bomb them is the ability to kind of go, you know, to, or at least to keep going, even when uh, bad things, when rough things happen, they'll be able to weather that storm. So I thought that that was a, a sweet little uh, moment there between the two of them. Well, Matt, uh, I think we've kind of talked about the the major storylines in this episode. Is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? I loved the conversation that Kara had with Monel at the end, um, and I loved the way you know he's like, you know, you should really ask me. I, I'm a much better listener and much better at advice now than that guy who left a year ago. And I really liked the the progression that we've seen in that character. Like he, you know, he was kind of the frat boy and now he really is kind of the more seasoned. Um, he's almost the kind of war weary leader because of everything that they've been through. And I, I like that. And I like the, the fact that they they're having the struggle of obviously there's still these feelings there, but he is trying to help her grow because in a lot of ways he understands what she's going through more than he used to a lot more. And so I loved that they had that moment because I would like them to see a way through to creating a good friendship um, if it's possible. And I think this was a good start to that. Um, and it was just a really, it was a really heartfelt, beautiful conversation. And I mean, I'm not going to lie, it kind of got me in the feels. <laughs> um, and so I just appreciated that they were really able to pull that out of those two characters in that moment. Because I feel like it's a nice building block for the rest of the season. I agree. I, I think that that was a, a nice scene. And I really appreciated it from... Uh, Kara's point of view, I guess, because he was very encouraging to her. He was trying to build her up and and lift her up a little bit because he I think he knew it sounded like he knew what she was feeling. It sounded like we don't know this for sure, but it sounded like he's lost people 
that he had to lead into bed. He talks about that, you know, he, he knows the feeling of leading people into battle and not bringing them home. So I think some legionnaires have been lost because of maybe choices that he's made or, or the, the things that he couldn't control. And so I, I liked that he could sense that about Kara and was trying to do what he could to build her back up. And I think that was something that she needed in that moment. And I think for Monel, he really has, uh, seemed like he's matured and he has uh, become a leader of sorts. And so I really, I like that about this new <laughs> bearded Monel, this, this new, uh, this new guy who has come uh, from the future. I think he's, he's, he's grown up a little bit and I think that he's, he's helping her uh, when she needs it the most. So yeah, I thought that was a great scene as well. Um, well, Matt, uh, what are your overall feelings about this episode? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, uh, what, what are your sort of overall thoughts? Yeah, for me, this was a, a strong episode, and I think it really came together, uh, especially at the end with what we got with Livewire, what we talked about with Cy, and you know, then the conversation with Monel. I think all of those things really kind of built on each other. Uh, it was almost like they were building blocks, and they kind of created this perfect little structure for this episode to really kind of round out a lot of the themes that we've been seeing throughout the season and kind of seeing, you know, I guess maybe the trajectory of, of hope where we're going to go for the rest of the season with some of these characters like Kara, um, Bonnell, Alex, you know, Rain, um, Ruby, you know, I think all of that was really cool. Um, I, I loved uh, Wynn showing up uh, Brainiac 5. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, Wynn is also a 12th level intellect. We just didn't know. <laughs> um, and so that was great. I also kind of liked, you know, we, we had the, the girl power of every, all the girls going because guys can't go because blue stars, whatever. <laughs> but I thought it was cool that they didn't keep the guys from not having anything to do back at DEO. You know, like they 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 continued to allow them to be part of the story and they gave them something to do. I thought that was great. And I also liked that the season is kind of continuing this trend of, of not trying to throw in every single character when they don't need to be there. Um, and it really helps the stories feel just cohesive in themselves. So I thought this was a great episode and it was a lot of fun. And I actually, you know, I was able to watch it twice before we talked tonight, and I really enjoyed watching it the both times, and and even the second time, thought it was even stronger. So, this is this season is really again, it's finding its place, and it's taken longer than any other CW show to do so. I think, um, you know, I think for the most part, most of the shows have had like either their first or second season is just killer, um, but I think this season three is really going to be the one where I'm like, okay. This is it. It kind of reminds me of, um, to go all the way back, it reminds me of Star Trek The Next Generation. It wasn't really all that good until season three. Like Nobody talks about season one and two episodes, but they talk about season three because <laughs> uh, it ends with the best of both worlds. So I think this season is really building up something special, and they're really finding the characters' voices. And uh, so I'd give this... Um, two thumbs up it is really good yeah i would agree i think this is uh one of my favorite episodes of the season i think it did a lot of great things for a lot of different characters it, it had uh, a focus on getting you know getting us to that next point in the rain story but it gave livewire and Sai and Kara and even monel and alex and all of those characters or even ruby got some great moments in this episode where there were character beats and i think maybe to your point matt 
that season three, for me, I think what it has done really well is that it has focused on characters. Um, you know, there is this overarching rain storyline that's being played out th- throughout the, the season, but we're get, I think I feel like even now in season three, I'm getting to know the characters a lot better in these episodes than I had in the past. Like even you mentioned Brainy and Wynn, there are even some good moments for them. So I think I think for me the difference is uh, getting the the character beats and the character moments, and I, I think that that really uh, those those little touches in the episodes, uh, like uh, you know for example with with Livewire, I thought it was a nice touch that you know when she is not a, su- a criminal supervillain. She's waitressing at this, in this <laughs> diner. Um, I, I think it said, it said a lot about her that she had to take this job because she didn't want to be out in the streets to be vulnerable to, to rain. She had to take this job that she hated, that she wasn't very good at. And uh, I thought it was, you know, fun for me because I, I grew up watching the, the Roseanne TV show and uh, Roseanne Connor on that show was the waitress. So I thought that that was a nice little uh, throwback to that series. And uh, so I just thought, you know, those little bits, those little those little moments for those characters, I think really, you know, to 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 use this phrase, you know, it makes those characters sing like it makes them pop out, you know, as as three dimensional characters. And it makes me really attached to them even more than I was. So maybe that's the difference. I don't know. There's probably a lot of other things. But for me, that's that's what makes it. Well, uh, I guess that's, uh, I think that's going to do it for our discussion about this episode, but let's find out what our listeners had to say about Fort Ross. And if you will do the honors, Matt, and help me out and read some tweets, uh, we'll see what the uh, listeners had to say. Well, uh, Luthers uh, from Twitter said that I lived for Alex threatening the kid that bullied Ruby and also Livewire and Cy working together with Irma and Kara. It took me three episodes to warm up to Livewire, and now she's gone, cry face, which, you know, I totally understand because we feel the same way. Yeah, me too. And then uh, Madtown Davison said, uh, I thought it was an exciting episode. Very sad about Livewire since Leslie was originally a shock jock. Kara could hold a wake in her honor and call it Roast in Peace, which that would be pretty funny. Kara <laughs> uh, could invite Leslie's criminal buddies, and they could take turns making fun of Leslie and each other. <laughs> I, w- I would watch that. I actually think Supergirl probably would do something like that. I think Kara probably yes. would uh, try to uh, give Livewire or Leslie, I think she would give her a, a good send-off. So I, th- I think that would be a, something Kara might do. Uh, Enrique V.B. Jr. said... Why did Livewire die? She was giving me the Killer Frost vibes. Saturn Girl is becoming one of my favorites. All that was missing from this all-female group was Black Canary and Killer Frost. Wonder when Samantha will meet her reign of personality. Ooh. Yeah, I, I would have loved to see uh, Black Canary and Killer Frost in this in this squad, but maybe maybe they'll they'll save that for a future future crossover but yeah uh, the samantha rain thing i think that's got to come to a head at some point well um mark hb pwm said pissed at livewire's dead and really all i can think about right now i know it's tough it's tough to take what's cool is the fact that we're actually feeling like that about the character you know like that shows that they did something right which you know again she's electricity they could bring her back (laughs) maybe so uh 
Panamento 20. Uh, I think said, it's Patty Mello. Patty Mello. Excuse me, Patty. I apologize. I'm really bad at Twitter names and figuring out how people are supposed to say them. Uh, it said, this is how you do Suicide Squad, DC. I love this episode so much. Definitely the best of the season. But the burning question that was left was, why kill Livewire when you have Monel right there? Makes no sense. Hashtag RIP Leslie. Hashtag RIP my heart cry face. That's a real slick burn there about Monel. I feel like that's a dig, <laughs> dig at the Monel character. I, I love the Monel. I don't get the hate. I always liked him. Uh, well, see, I'm I'm on positive too. We have a scale in Supergirl Radio. Uh, the, we call it the Monel sliding scale. Some people like us are mon positive. There are some people who are mon negative. There's a, there's a scale in the me- the middle that we call mon apathetic. <laughs> so so some people are a little more on the mon negative side of things. So have I tipped the scale to the mon positive side? For the both of us, we're we're both I I'm also mon positive, uh but you know, I, I think this this is going to be a mon positive Supergirl radio episode, but we will allow a mon negative uh, a comment there. So uh, Patty Mello is allowed to, to be mon negative. I'm, I'm just wondering if this is going to be a part of like tests. And, you know, when you go to the doctor, are you mon positive? <laughs> are you mon negative? Are you mon apathetic? What is the uh, bad outcome of that? I what, don't what want to know. Concerned about? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, and nice burn, I guess, for Suicide Squad, even though I didn't hate Suicide Squad. So, um, but Dr. Odd said heart and lightning. Yeah, I think that's a, a good emoji com- combination for Livewire, a blue heart and a, a flash for lightning. That's all you really need to say. It's really, that's it. Um, 94 Beyond said, I liked Britt Morgan's role in the episode. I hope we truly haven't seen the last of Leslie. If this is her swung song, I'll truly miss her. And SS20 Big Tasty said, best Supergirl episode of the season. Love Livewire and Supergirl's chemistry in this episode. For the first time ever, I wanted more Livewire, and I don't know if I will get her back on Supergirl again. Yeah, we we don't we don't know. Uh, and then uh, at C Sanguinette, I think that's how you say this. Um, love the episode. Don't want to see Sam leave, but love Ruby and Alex. Can't tell Lena about Kara. It kind of opens the whole Superman secret identity. Liked the Legion, but it was done better on Smallville. I need a long-lived Legion. Also need more streaky and crypto. Mm, That would be interesting. Get some crypto in there. Mm. Yeah, we had a a little streaky last week. Uh, I don't know if streaky will pop back up, but... (laughs) But uh, we did get some streaky. You know, I, th- that's a question I I have wondered if Kara will ever tell Lena who she is. Like, and I I feel like if you really wanted to do your own mythos, you'd do it sometime. But it has to be a really big moment. Oh yeah, and I, I think that they they could be building to that because they've been trying to establish the Lena and Kara friendship. So. That uh, that could be coming. And then uh, Swarasala One said, "It was so great to see so many various powerful women heroes, villains, and everything in between interacting with each other and making a wonderfully compelling, action-packed, and dramatic episode." So, yeah, I agree. It's it was a lot of fun. I mean, it just it it worked, and um, I think the idea of you know having like um, the Killer Frost and somehow, you know, if they ever turn um, Black Siren around and have her be a good character, you could put all of them together with Supergirl and a cool crossover. 
uh, that I would totally watch. I would be so into that. Yeah. So let's do it. We're going to, we're going to do that. And we're going to do the supernatural Supergirl crossover. There you go. All of that is coming in season four. (laughs) Stay, stay tuned. That's coming. Um, well, and that's it for all of our tweets, but we have an email from Rachel, uh, giving us the sign that Morgan asked for last week. Uh, she writes, quote, dear Supergirl radio. Yes, I am new Rachel from the legends podcast. We were asking about that. Uh, Rachel says, as for this week's episode, it was fantastic. Was not expecting Sanders as the focus of the Alex and Ruby subplot, but considering that subplot was important enough to be mentioned in the episode description, it certainly made sense. Alex threatening the girl who bullied Ruby was probably overkill, but I still enjoyed Alex bonding with Ruby and look forward to seeing more of their interactions, especially with Sam spending more time as Rain. Speaking of characters I want to see more of together, when in Brainiac 5's rivalry, which it definitely was, was something I'd anticipated and was glad to see on screen. And it was nice to see Wynn doing something useful to help save the day. Rachel goes on to say, it's clear that at this point, Brainy cares more about Carr than anyone else in her life, which, eh, I don't know, just to interject, I don't know if that's totally true, but maybe in this episode you could say that was true. Uh, uh, Rachel says, although I hope that changes eventually, especially if Brainy learns about Wynn's family, because he could certainly sympathize with that experience. I would agree with that. And, and Rachel, uh, concludes her email saying, and finally the girl squad, all that banter inter- and internet interactions were great. And I was happy to see Livewire and Cy return, even though this is the last we're going to get of Livewire, but I'm at least happy that she acknowledged the others as her friends and that she died a hero. Car was made a good leader for this team, and even though it didn't work, it was nice to see her trying to convince Rain to become good, unquote. So thanks for writing in, Rachel, and uh, th- thanks for letting us know that you are the new Rachel from the Legends podcast. It's good to see some crossover between uh, both of our podcasts, so uh, welcome to Supergirl Radio. Uh, well, and uh, we also have three questions from a listener named Mauricio. Uh, he asks, uh, why are all the world killers female? And uh, I I don't know what the writers uh, have specified for this, but my answer to that is because all of the world killers in the New 52 comics are female. Uh, So if you want any uh, more podcast content about Rain and the world killers, Supergirl Radio does have some episodes on that. We reviewed uh, the New 52's The Last Daughter of Krypton, and we also did a character spotlight on Rain. So we talked about the world killers in those two episodes if you want to learn more about them. Uh, Mauricio also asked, uh, that weird poem that Cy recited when Rain was boarding the ship. Was that an Easter egg or something she did in the comics? Um, so Cy was actually speaking the words to a nursery rhyme called Sing a Song of Sixpence. And, uh, so I tried to do a little, uh, <laughs> little digging, a little quick research, a little Googling, a little Wikipedia Ing. Uh, and according to Wikipedia in the 16th century, uh, believe it or not, one of the fun things to do in that time period was putting live birds in a pie. I don't know who first determined that this was the cool thing to do, but uh, it's it's been documented in in uh, old cookbooks and an Italian cookbook from 1549, another cookbook from uh, the year 1725. Uh, they wanted to make pies so that birds would be alive in them and fly out when the pie is cut up. Uh, the only thing that we can uh, identify and kind of compare it to. In our modern age is if you've ever seen someone pop out of like a fake cake, 
uh, in our present day. That's sort of, I think, what that <laughs> that was like. So in Sing a Song of Sixpence, uh, they do talk about that in the the, the words of that. So um, that is part of that history. And I also was sort of digging up uh, what the nursery rhyme was about, and I, I found a couple of different uh, interpretations. Snopes claims that Sing a Song of Sixpence is a coded message used by the uh, pirate Blackbeard, if you've ever heard of Blackbeard, to recruit members for uh, some pirate ships. So there's a coded message theory about this. There's also another theory uh, from a man named Chris Roberts, who is the author of a book, Heavy Words Lightly Thrown, The Reason Behind the Rhyme. Uh, And in in that book, he claims that this nursery rhyme is about King Henry VIII and his break from the Catholic Church. So you can kind of pick and choose, I guess, which theory you think is is what that uh, nursery rhyme is all about. And in terms of whether or not this was an Easter egg from the comics, uh, this, as far as I know, uh, Psy doesn't have this character trait in the comics. Uh, when I was doing some research uh, for our Supergirl Radio character spotlight on Psy, I never saw her reference nursery rhymes or rhyming in general. So I don't think that's a thing from the comics, but it is something that they've introduced with the character on the Supergirl TV series. So it is character correct from her her first introduction episode in Triggers. She uh, she recites the words of another nursery rhyme called Lady Bird, Lady Bird. So that's a thing they've given her on the show, but not really something that they uh, have given her in the comics. So I hope that answers that question. Um, and Mauricio also uh, says, Supergirl's strength is super inconsistent. Back in season one, she freaking lifted Fort Roz into space, but this season she has trouble lifting up an airplane. What are some powers in the previous season that you think have been scaled down? So, Matt, do you have any uh, thoughts about that? Do you, do you think there are any powers that they've sort of minimized with Supergirl? And what, what, what would you like to see her use a little uh, more powerfully? I think this is a tough thing anytime you do any superhero. Um, and I think part of it, too, is that when you think about Supergirl, um, she can do everything. So that costs a lot of money. Uh, to do visually uh, in VFX. Even for what they do on the show, it's very expensive. Um, And I think you had here that one of the things you don't like that she doesn't use enough is her super speed. And I completely agree with you. The fact that Kara seems to almost never go at super speed is very strange to me and really bothers me, especially when they do the Flash TV show so we know that they can do super speed. Um, You know, uh, and, you know, the best way I think to do super speed is almost like they did it in justice league, the movie where you just see flash pop in and out because that's how fast they're going, you know? Uh, and both, uh, Supergirl and Superman are almost as fast as flash. Uh, and so they go really fast when they want to. In fact, uh, BVS did a great job of showing the super seed when Superman's on top of, um, the, uh, the train depot. Um, and he's, swooshing through the uh, the, the mist um, the the smoke that Batman had thrown the bomb smoke bomb and um, you know the quick motion motion that they can do I would absolutely love to see Supergirl do more of um, and I do think that what they should do in the writer's room is talk about specifically okay uh, and just write it out you know on a whiteboard okay these are the things that Supergirl can do easily right you know that would be impossible for us these are this this is where it starts to get harder and harder and what the scale is and just maybe keep track of that on the show 
So you do have that consistency because, yeah, lifting Fort Ross in the space, but maybe having trouble with an airplane seems a little bit strange. Yeah, it doesn't quite uh, feel very consistent in the way that they've shown that. And I guess you have to consider circumstances and situations and her emotional circumstances at the time. Maybe she's under duress or stress or something, you know, uh, some of that could come into play. But uh, yeah, I they, they've shown Kara using super speed occasionally, but I, I just, it's one of those things where I would like to see her use it more because we don't get to see it very much. So, uh, and I also kind of would like to see her, you know, when she's really punching somebody, like make it a big deal when she punches somebody. Like sometimes I... I I think that when when they're throwing punches on the show, it's just kind of, you know, the usual stunt choreography where it looks like two humans punching each other. I kind of feel like super people, you know, Supergirl versus Rain, they should be really, you know, breaking glass with the, the, the punches. Like Man of Steel style where they're punching each other and they're punching each other through like 15 buildings, you know. Because that's, I mean, and the cartoon did that really well. Um, You know, the animated series for Superman did that really well when Superman would punch somebody really hard, like, uh, you know, uh, a Doomsday or... um, Shazam, even. Shazam or, um, uh, what's the, come on, brain, the other one. Um, uh, Darkseid, Punch and Darkseid, when they have that big battle. So, um, yeah, I mean, when you have this kind of thing, um, I would expect there to be a bit more damage happening in general. So, yeah, hopefully that's something that they'll keep working on. Obviously, when you're doing Supergirl, I mean, even beyond Flash, this is such an expensive show to do VFX-wise because everything that Kara does is super. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it gets real expensive real fast. They have a budget they have to take care of, and I think that sometimes they have to cut some corners, which is I can go with it because I, I understand the circumstances of uh, the TV uh, part of it. But yeah, sometimes it would be cool to, to see her use her powers in another way. So maybe we will in the future. Well, and uh, before we wrap up our feedback, we have some snap judgments. Uh, we have some some listeners who have sent in some snap judgments. And uh, Matt, since this is your first time on Supergirl Radio, this is a little game we play. It's very easy. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question and you just give your opinion. And that's all you have to do. In the game of Snap Judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. So our first Snap Judgment comes from a listener named Nathan, and he asks, Which L plus James ship do you prefer? Lucy and James... Lena and James or Loneliness and James? Which one would you pick? I love this. Absolutely love this. Um, I'm going to say Lena and James. Uh, and I am going to give a reason because I, I'm just jealous of James being <laughs> with Lena. So I'm just saying. Um, I, I, but I actually kind of I like their relationship. I think it, it finally gives James something to do that's not being guardian so yay (laughs) yeah uh we have some feelings uh, about that as well on supergirl radio so (laughs) i can understand that i think for me i think i'm gonna go lucy and james okay i think i'm gonna uh, pick pick that l and james ship so uh thank you nathan for sending that in and we also have uh some snap judgments sent in by gina and the first one uh she she her first one is about james and 
and uh, uh, ships as well. Um, she says uh, sh- the question is episode with the James Lena awkward romance or episode without James Lena awkward romance. Uh, so which which one would you pick, Matt? I'm going to go without the awkward romance. I'm going to highlight awkward. <laughs> so you would be okay if it was not awkward. Yes, less awkward. I think I'm going to go without the James Lena awkward romance. Uh, the next snap judgment we have is when and Brainy or Cy and Livewire? I'm guessing this is as a team-up. Which one would you uh, pick? Oh, so tough. Um, well, we can only have one now, so I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to go with Wynn and Brainy because they were fun. I would definitely, like, I don't have to, I don't even have to think about it. Sigh and Livewire. No doubt. No hesitation. Uh, the next one is uh, Jenda Kalraz's death or Livewire's death? I'm going to go Livewire's death. Like, I guess because it's just more, it was more impactful. Like, it meant something. Yeah, if we're going uh, impactful and in terms of characters, I would say Livewire's death. If we're going with unexpected death, I would go Agenda's death because I I did not see that coming. Our last snap judgment. This is the most important question that we are going to ask on this episode. It is something that you're really going to have to think about. Be very careful about your choice here. Um, okay, so our final snap judgment is DEO Alex or Babysitter Alex? Oh, gosh, this is so tough. Oh, my gosh. I really, I don't know why this is so tough, but I mean, I love them both. But um, I'm going to go Babysitter Alex. I will probably go Babysitter Alex as well. That really, that is a tough one. But didn't she even combine DEO Alex and Babysitter Alex kind of? Because they went to the little girl's house, right? And scared the crap out of her, so. That's that's the best combination. Man, I love the Snap Judgment thing. This is fun. No judgments on your Snap Judgments. Snap Judgments are uh, very popular. Listeners love them. We like doing them, so I'm, I'm glad you had a good time playing along. Well, I think that's going to do it for our thoughts and feedback uh, on this episode, Fort Roz. Um, Matt, thank you so much for coming and joining me for this episode of Supergirl Radio. How can listeners find you on the internet? Yeah, I just want to say a huge thank you. This has been so much fun. And, um, you know, I love all these DC shows. And you just get to sit and talk about an episode like this was a, a, a just pure joy. So thank you for inviting me. And um, you can find me on Twitter. Um, I'm at MattRushing02. I'm on Instagram under the same name. Um, and then I do a bunch of different podcasts. So, um, on the nerd party network over at the nerdparty.com, you can find aggressive negotiations all about star Wars and then owl post, which is a Harry Potter podcast. And we're walking through each and every chapter of Harry Potter, one chapter at a time. And then over on the track FM network, you can find my general geek show, which is called the 602 club. And we talk about every single fandom that we love, not just one, Uh, We've talked about um, the CW shows when we can. We've talked about um, DC, Marvel, um, you know, everything under the sun, Bond, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, you know, everything we can. So that's a a huge blast to do. I hope you'll check that out. Um, I talk about Star Trek Deep Space Nine over there on The Orb. And then last but not least, I'm doing a a show with my friend Courtney, and we kind of talk about... um, 
the morals, meanings, and messages of movies through the lens of faith, and that is called Cinema Stories. So lots to catch up on, um, but um, yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate this, Rebecca. It's been a huge, just a huge joy to be here. Well, I have been wanting to have you on Supergirl Radio for a while. I love all the stuff that you do. You put out some great content, and I love your thoughts and the way you approach stories and characters. So I, I really, really, uh, I've really enjoyed having you on to uh, talk about some Supergirl with you. Well, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us. Uh, you can listen to our episodes on Google Play, iHeartRadio. And now on Spotify, we had a musical playlist, which you should totally go and listen to and follow because we just added Hearts Barracuda to the playlist in honor of Livewire and her her diner days. Uh, But you can also listen to our podcast episodes there now. We are also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc-fans. We are available on uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review over there. And if you're like, this is so much information, I'm overwhelmed by all of the stuff that you're telling me, you can just go to supergirlradio.com. You can find all of our links on the right side of the page page and uh supergirl radio morgan is not uh morgan is not here to read this fun paragraph for me so i will uh do it the honors this week supergirl radio is part of the dc tv podcast network so if you also like arrow the flash legends of tomorrow i zombie classic dc tv shows black lightning krypton and titans you can subscribe to the dc tv podcast mega feed on apple podcasts and follow at dc tv podcast on twitter and you can like dc tv podcast on facebook and for me you can follow me on twitter at derby kid that's d-e-r-b-y-k-i-d and you can follow me on instagram at the derby kid that's t-h-e-d-e-r-b-y-k-i-d you can see videos of mine over youtube uh at youtube.com slash duck milk prod and i'm also a contributor to jlu podcast uh where we are analyzing the wonder woman movie and the justice league movie so you can find that over at jluniverse.podomatic.com and uh that's gonna do it for this episode on fort Roz. but if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section we'll be doing that after our theme music but until then i'm still rebecca johnson and this week let's pour one out for live wire This world is a crazy place right now. People acting, reacting. There is great power in being the calm at the center of the storm. Lane and the world killers are still out there. All I'm doing is waiting for their next strike. Supergirl. All new episode next Monday at 8, 7 central on The CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called For Good. 
The official description reads, quote, Someone tries to kill Morgan Edge, and he barely survives. He accuses Lena of being behind that attempt and vows to destroy her. When Lena fears her hatred for Morgan will take her to the Luther dark side, Kara steps in to help her friend. Meanwhile, after Sam realizes she's losing time, she confides in Alex, who decides to run some medical tests, tests, that's a hard word to say, to see if she can find out what's going on with her new friend, unquote. So, Matt, what is uh, most exciting to you about uh, next week's episode? Uh, Lena. <laughs> um, I'm, no, I'm glad, though, uh, and I say that uh, in, as a joke, but I'm also glad that we're kind of getting back to that part with Morgan Edge that has kind of been there all season. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out. And, you know, I love her storyline because I like the whole will they won't they with her with going to the dark side, you know, and I, I, I truly want her to walk that line, but also always stay on the side of the light. Um, just because I, I, I get tired. I think sometimes of the Luther, you know, they have to be a bad person and, I really want the show to create its own identity with that character. So I love what they've been doing with her. So it's exciting to have her back. Plus it sounds like we're going to have uh, some really good interactions with her and Kara too, which is awesome. And the fact that we have this whole other side with Sam, you know, figuring out she's losing time and working with Alex, I think it's going to be really interesting because what happens if rain calls during that you know, you can't really just put her on hold. Alex got injured because she went up against rain. So, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but that would be a little terrifying. If in, in what if a medical test uh, brings rain out of out of this situation? <laughs> well, it's not like Alex carries around her, you know, kryptonite machete all over the place. She should. She should keep it on her at all times. Uh, but no, it looks like it. It looks like it'll be another a good episode, and and it sounds like we're kind of going to be continuing on all of the the big mysteries of the season you know um and i'm also kind of interested to see how all of this will tie together you know because the morgan edge and lena stuff feels a little divorced from um the rain stuff so i'm wondering if there will be something that kind of brings it all together as we move toward the season yeah i i will be curious to see how it uh ties together if it does at all and i i agree with you i am Looking forward to seeing more Lena. I think uh, when they give her something good to do, she she really can uh, make that character uh, pop off the screen. And I am personally very excited to see more of Morgan Edge because Morgan Edge seems like a guy who has a lot of problems. Like every time he appears in an episode, something terrible has happened to him. <laughs> he's he's being left on a, a barge somewhere out in the middle of the, you know, the ocean, the body of water, or, uh, you know, just things, bad things have happened. His, his uh, Christmas party gets wrecked. You know, there's all sorts of uh, terrible things that happen to Morgan Edge. So j- I just, I just like uh, seeing uh, more of what's going to happen with him because I just, uh, I sort of feel bad for him. He's just, he feels like a guy who just, he always has, always has rough luck. So I'm, I'm excited to see more of Morgan edge and all of his, uh, his misadventures. So, uh, this, this will be a great episode. Uh, get to see some characters who haven't gotten a, a lot of screen time so far. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.